Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Well, welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. Uh, if this is your first time here at Renew Life Church, can we give all of our first time guests a round of applause? Super glad you're here with us today. Uh, if the announcement videos are any sign of things to come, it's going to be fun. So uh, I'm actually going to start a little. I, I, have a, I actually have a message. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to, to, actually, you know what? I'm supposed to do an announcement, right? Oh, announcement. I got to tell you about something else first. Friend of mine, uh, Jason Valentin. Some of you guys know his dad, Chris Valentin from Bethel Church. Jason has just started his, uh, kind of his own, a couple things he's doing on his own, and actually his dad, Chris, is helping him. Uh, he's starting a men's ministry. He's the, uh, Jason's the pastoral care and counseling pastor at Bethel Church, and he and I met uh, a while back, he actually came and did our uh, men's access hunt with us last year. He was there, so a lot of the guys met him. I uh, got a chance to fly fish with him a couple times and just really hang out and get to know each other. And he asked me to help him put on an event in, here in Texas, actually, so I gave him some, uh, uh, like, two-pointers uh, of, of really how to uh, connect with guys in Texas. So hunt and red meat. So those two things were the things I told him, but, uh, which he already knew. But, no, he's actually doing an event, actually, here in Texas. There's already a few guys signed up for this event that he's doing uh, at the Wildcat Ranch. And he's actually sent me a video. He said, hey, would you mind playing this at church on Sunday? And I said, absolutely. So I want you to check out this video about his camp. Who gave you the right to be a man, a brother, a father? We were born into the struggle, made to thrive through perseverance. But like a wild stallion, we run from the darkness and into the fire. We fight, cheat death, and gamble with the heart. Like a wandering soul that wants to be found, we long for connection, but fear its embrace. They say we're obsolete, our masculinity is barbaric, even archaic. But then again, who are they that tries to define us? Were they the author of masculinity, or the creator of man himself? When's the last time you broke free, stopped running, and told your story? When's the last time another man's compassion made you feel brave? Sometimes the only way out is the way through. All right. So, yeah, Chris Valentin, leave that up there if you don't mind for a little bit. Sign up at chrisvalentin.com forward slash born wild. That's at the Wildcat Ranch. Where is the Wildcat Ranch? East of here, about four and a half hours. So, Graham, that's where it's at in Graham. Is, it, is that four and a half hours from here? About, is that about right? Close? Okay, Graham, Texas. Uh, there's, there's two different things you can sign up for. Leanne's like, he's terrible at this. Uh, there's two things you can sign up for, the two-day or the three-day event, and I just really encourage you to sign up. Jason's really got this thing on his heart to kind of help rebirth masculinity in men. Our culture today is trying to take it away, and it's actually not how we were made. And so I, I know he's shared some things with me about that. He's got some really cool things in store, and I can't share all the, all the things they're going to do. But uh, let's just say there will be long-range rifles, explosive, and hatchets involved. So uh, just going to throw that out there. So you're not going to want to miss that. So anyway, uh, you can turn to Malachi 3. Maybe we'll get there. I, I want to start with something I literally as I was just during worship. I felt like the Lord just said, just start here uh, and just share the story. Uh, as you guys know, several weeks ago, or some of you know, uh, several weeks ago, I got a chance to go to Australia. And when I was in Australia with a friend of mine, Banding Leapshire, he was doing a conference, asked me to go along with him. And so we go to this conference. And one of the things that I have uh, endeavored to do since the, since the 
beginning of this church uh, is try to place a high value on excellence. We love to do things in, in excellence. We want our children's ministry done in excellence. We want our worship to be excellent. We want things to be excellent. And I, I believe with all of my heart that excellence is a value of the kingdom. And, and so that's definitely something we, we, we strive for, we endeavor to do. I go to this conference, and one of the things that I get used to is some of the, first of all, I absolutely love our worship. Can we give our worship team a round of applause? I just, I'm in love with our worship team, and I just, I think they do such a good job. It's so excellent, and, uh, and plus, when I go to conferences, the conferences I go to, I go to Bethel almost every time I go to a conference, and their worship, if you've ever been there, it just, it's unreal just to be there, and the sound is perfect, every instrument's perfect, the, the vocalists are perfect, it's literally like heaven is there, and, uh, and so I, I get used to that, then I've gone, I've been in some Hillsong environments as well, and you hear amazing worship, and uh, I, I got to this, one of, the, one of the service we went to, I caught myself in the middle of worship judging the worship, and I was like, oh, that, that was a little off there, and and, and, and this could have been a little bit better here. Mind you, this is supposed to be in worship. This is your pastor speaking here. And it, it was really interesting because over the course of a week, uh, I, it, it was just a different style of worship. It was a young adults conference, so they were doing light shows and dancing and all kinds of cartwheels and cool stuff like that for young adults. But, uh, but I just caught myself in a, like, ah, I just really wasn't engaging in worship uh, the way I do when I'm in, when I, in an environment that I like. And as, over, as the week got on, went on, I actually got a chance to meet basically all the worship team. Met the singers, met the musicians, met the ones that actually wrote the songs that we were singing. And as the, the more I got to know them, the more I fell in love with them as a, as a people. The more I fell in love with their heart, why they did what they did, how they did what they did. And, and as the week went on, and then the senior pastor was an amazing guy. His wife, amazing woman. They had amazing children. All their children were serving God. All their children and grandchildren, they were just amazing. I was in the green room. And you know sometimes when you get a, a bunch of small kids in a, in a small room, things can happen. <laughs> but I was just amazed at how, how, how honorable all the children were, how respectful they were, how well-spoken they were. They weren't afraid to talk to the other adults. They didn't know who I was. And the moms would say, hey, go talk to, that's, that's, he's a Texan. Go talk to him, you know, and listen to his voice. And um, <laughs> kind of like we would an Australian, you know. And it, it just was, I, honestly, I, I began to be really blown away by just what they had there. The, the, the way the people were, the, the, the mothering and the fathering. Of course, Banning even spoke at that conference. He talked about that the church is a, it's not a business, it's a family. And if you ever start approaching the church like a business, you're going to miss what God has for it because the church is supposed to be a family where mothers and fathers raise up sons and daughters that grow up to be mothers and fathers that raise up sons and daughters that grow up to be mothers and fathers. And, and that's what the church is supposed to be. And so I just was blown away just by this whole experience because what happened was the last night they did a live recording of this album uh, of, of all their new songs and all, the, all this worship that early in the week I had been judging, I found myself just weeping, weeping in the middle of it, just so moved by the whole environment. As I looked on stage and I saw some of the different singers, I, I had had conversations with them. I knew their kids' names. I knew their wives' names. I knew things about them. I knew what they were struggling with. I knew things. I'd had different pastors ask to meet with me on the, off to the side and ask me questions. I'd poured some of my heart into them. And it was just, it's something happened when you spend four to five days with a group of people, and all of a sudden, I got really, really convicted, and the last night, I'm in the middle of worship, and I'm just being moved by all this, and I look over to the left, and Pastor Mark, he's the senior pastor, got multiple campuses, doing an incredible job, and I watched him as they, um, 
as they kicked off the album, and I saw how he just looked at the stage like a dad would look so proud at his sons and daughters. And I just got super convicted, super, super convicted, because the church is not about the product that we produce. It's about the sons and daughters that we raise up and release. And, I, and the Lord just spoke that so clear to my heart, and, as I, and, I, and I still want to value excellence. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to have a value for excellence because I do believe that it's a kingdom value. But far be it for me to ever value the product that we produce more than the people that we're producing it in. And so I, I've been on this, on this journey where um, the Lord's really been speaking to me about what does this church exist to do? What does this church exist to do? What is my main role as the senior pastor of this church, as the senior leader of this church? What is my primary role? What is my responsibility to you? And my responsibility to you is not to produce a product that you can come in on a Sunday and quote, unquote, enjoy. I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to make you laugh, even though sometimes I'm just stupid and you laugh and that's okay. <laughs> but, but that's not my job. My job as a, as a as a kingdom pursuer, is to be a mother and a father. Me and Leanne, be mothers and fathers to sons and daughters that grow up and produce mothers and fathers themselves, or sons and daughters themselves. We're supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be growing up. If you look across this church, and, and, and 10 years from now, we all look the same, sound the same, have the same level of maturity, we're missing the point of why we're here. And I think in that, was born in me this desire to make sure that I am doing my absolute best to tell you what I believe the Lord would want you to know, to say the things that sometimes may come across as strong, as, as, as tenacious at times, because in my heart of hearts, what I really want you to do is to grow up. I don't want you to stay a toddler. I don't want you to stay an adolescent. I don't even want you to stay a parent, because parents eventually should become what? Grandparents. And I, I, I want to have a church where we don't just, we're not just a young church, we're not just an old church, we're not a white church, we're not a black church, we're not a rich church, we're not a poor church, we are a people church. All people, young and old, no matter where you come from, and all of us growing, thriving, trying to become all that God's called us to be, to actually affect change in the city of Midland and beyond. And you're not, and I, let me just say this, I believe in encouragement, but we won't get there if all you get is encouragement. I have children. They don't just need encouragement. <laughs> if they're going to grow up, if they're going to mature, it's going to require more than encouragement. Some of the things, <laughs> yesterday we were at the mall and um, I was talking to my 13-year-old my and I don't even, honest to God, don't even know how this came up. We're having a great day at the mall. We're having lunch together and all of a sudden uh, we, she overheard us talking about some things and so I Next thing you know, I started talking to her about spiritual authority. She overheard some things. She asked me some questions. So I was talking to her about spiritual authority and being submitted to spiritual authority. And all of a sudden, I found a golden opportunity. And I said, well, while we're on the subject of spiritual authority, let me explain something to you. I said, as your father, I am your spiritual authority. And when, when, when you're released into what's next for you, your spiritual authority should agree with it. There should be some agreement. They should bless what you're doing. And I said, there's going to come a day when you're going you're to meet a guy and you're going to fall in love. And I'm just telling you, if your spiritual authority does not approve, he is not the one for you. 
And her, I mean, her eyes get big. And so I just went all in. I was like, let me explain how this works. There will be a curse on your marriage. <laughs> and Leanne's looking at me like, really? Can we just eat some Chick-fil-A nuggets and not have this? I said, no, we're going to have this conversation right here. And so we finished having the conversation, great conversation. And she can get, you know, she's getting it. My, my middle daughter, Riley, she's kind of listening, kind of not. And after I finished with Suzanne, I turned to her and I said, now you, I'm going to repeat this conversation to you in a few more years. And she goes, you won't even have to, Dad. I'll remember. And I was like, and that attitude is exactly why I'm going to repeat it to you. <laughs> uh, but sometimes you just got to have conversations. You're raising them up. I, 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 I want to start the conversation early. I want to get involved early. And I, I, I want, I'll just say this. Kids understand things way sooner than you think they do. And I think as parents, sometimes we got to give our kids more credit. Got to give them more credit. We got to have courage to talk to them. We got to give them more credit as to what they're ready for. In the same way, the church is the same way. I think I've got, to, I've got to make sure I give every single person that walks in this room some credit. And I can't dance around things that might be hard to talk about. I'll be honest with you. In fact, if you heard me earlier, I said turn to Malachi 3. And if you're a church person, you kind of took a little breath. Like, oh, gosh, it's Malachi 3 day. Know what this is about. <laughs> We're going to talk about money today. And it's one of those subjects that the, when I was younger in ministry, even still today, it's one of the harder subjects to, to talk about. Because it's, it, there's some tension around it. Even driving to church this morning, I felt myself have more courage than I normally would. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and he said, because you're starting to separate yourself and what you do from, the, from who you are. I can come up here and tell you all, every, some of the things I'm going to share with you today. They're my life story. They're things I know. And I, and I can say them with boldness and courage because I'm not trying to, to win you to the church, to this church, to Renew Life Church. I'm trying to win you to him. I'm trying to teach you what he says about your money. Things that I'm doing, the things that I'm eating, reaping the benefits of right now, and I would be a terrible, terrible leader if I had something that was working for me and didn't share it with you. This is, this is actually my life story. In fact, I, I was reminded of, to share some things with you today because if you've been coming for very long, you'll, you'll, you'll know this. We actually don't have uh, a time in our service where we pass a plate or do an offering. How many of you guys, have, this is the first time you've ever been to a church that that's, that's the case where they don't actually do an off, pass the plate or do an offering? How many of you guys have been to a church where they actually don't do it? So just a very few people. I, I was on a, a, a phone call. I got a phone call from a guy who was a pastor intern, pastoral intern, uh, to a church in, in San Antonio this week, and he had found out about our church. He's a, actually a hairstylist, and someone in our church had, had, uh, had told him about our church, and so he began to look us up, heard some stories, started listening to some of the podcasts, and he reached out and just said, hey, do you mind if I just pick your brain for 30 to 40 minutes about how you do what you do? And so we set up the phone call, and one of the questions that he asked, or a Zoom call, actually, so we could see each other, and, and one of the things that I had forgotten that we do, and he asked me, he's like, so I, I was looking at your website, and you guys don't take up an offering. Like, what's all that about? And it dawned on me that a lot of people don't know why we don't do, take up an offering, and I wanted to share that today. Several years ago, uh, how we planted Renew Life Church, I was working as a campus pastor for another church when the Lord put on my heart not to plant a church, the Lord put on my heart to preach the message of grace as radical as I knew how to. And it, it, it was something I had in a radical encounter with God. The Lord was really speaking to me. And I was being, I mean, my whole theology in the kingdom was just being flipped upside down. And in the middle of all this, I was the campus pastor for another church. And the pastor would send me his notes, and I would preach those notes. And the Lord spoke to my heart after several months of going through these encounters with the Lord. And I just felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what I've called you to preach. And so I prayed about that word for six months, and then I took it to my pastor, and I said, you know, with all due respect, I, 
uh, I, I really feel strongly that the Lord's telling me that I'm supposed to start preaching my own messages instead of the notes that you send me. And I just, I'm asking, I'm submitting that to you, spiritual authority in my life, I'm submitting that to you. This is what I feel like God's asking me to do. And an hour and a half later, I left that meeting planting a church. <laughs> he told me, he's like, you know what? I feel like the Lord's speaking to you, and I think it's time to plant your own church, which I had no plans of doing. So I leave that meeting, and I call Leanne. I was like, she goes, so how'd the meeting go? Do you, are you going to get to preach your own notes? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I will definitely get to do that. There's a lot of things I'm going to get to do. <laughs> so I had to explain to my wife that we're fixing to plant a church. And so uh, in the middle of all this, usually when you plant a church, you spend some time raising money. And the way the, the way the financial system worked in that church is all the, all the campuses, the money went to the home base, and then they gave you a budget. And I actually never had to work much with the money. I had a budget, used what's in the budget, and that was really the extent of it. But I really, I was going to continue preaching. They were going to shut down their church, and then two weeks later, we were going to launch ours. So I had zero time to raise funds, and I didn't feel right about raising funds for my own, own church while preaching at another church. Something about it in my, it just didn't feel right to me. And so we came up with a system where for the last 10 months of the existence of the old campus, all the net proceeds, we were going to pay to the home church, accounting fees, leader, all these different fees. But then if there was anything left over, whatever was left over, we got to keep to help launch our own church. And in the middle of that, I got to start making some decisions based on what I felt like the Lord was leading us to do. And, and tithes and offerings, that whole portion of, uh, of the service used to always bother me because it, what it felt like is we took something like tithes and offerings that although it's important, it's not the main thing, and we gave it a whole section of every single service. Every single service, we did a whole section on money. And not only did we did a whole section on it, at, our, at the church I was at, we would, do a, we would preach a message on the offering. And then we would do what's called an offering song. Anybody ever remember doing, a, doing an offering song? So you do an offering song, and the point was not for you to worship on the, at the offering song. It was just to make noise while you pass the baskets. No one was engaging, and it was the most, come on, somebody. It's the most awkward time. You're not really paying attention to what the band's doing. You're doing your check. You're doing this. And, and, and if you don't tithe or you don't give offerings, you're acting like you're going to, and you're seeing if anybody's looking and uh, all that stuff. And so... We've actually opened up empty envelopes before where people just wanted to put an envelope. Yep, I'm putting one in there, and you open it up, and there's nothing in there. It's like, you just cost us two cents of an envelope, you know? Not only did you not give, you stole. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm on a roll this morning. Uh, so what, we, what, what I, I just told the Lord, I said, man, the research shows that I've got about an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes to, to do a church service before I start losing kids downstairs. And, and I'll just be honest with you. You say, why is your church service? We wish you would go longer. We wish you would preach longer. And I'll just tell you right now, if you want more, go get more yourself. <laughs> no amens. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be honest with you. I, if you want more, if you're really hungry, you get, you know what? There's podcasts, there's tapes, there's, do they do tapes anymore? Sorry, I'm on that's old school. There's all different ways you can get the word, but I, we have endeavored to make sure that we don't put more emphasis on what's going on up here than we do on what's going on down there. Your kids matter to us. And I'll just tell you, after about an hour and a half, hour and 45, your kids are no longer angels. <laughs> Some of you work with them. Some of you live with them. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. And we care enough about what's going on downstairs to make sure that, that the service times are right. So an hour and 20 minutes is about what they tell me you got before things start going south. And, uh, and I said, Lord, the, and as far as an hour and 20 minutes goes, I'm wasting 10 good minutes 
every single Sunday to do an offering message to try to convince, convince people to give, which kind of lets me know that I actually don't have faith that you're my provider. And then I do an offering song to pass the buckets, and I'm wasting 10 minutes that I could be teaching, that I could be worshiping, that I could be giving glory to you, but instead I'm trying to get people to give because we actually don't have the faith that you're the provider. And I just said, Lord, I just, I, this just doesn't feel right. And I just, and I, this is my conversation with the Lord, and I, it, it shows some immaturity, but it's where I was at the time. I said, Lord, I just, something about this isn't right, and so I'll make a deal with you. I will give you the absolute best hour and 20 minutes that I can give you. And we'll put the focus where the focus belongs if you'll take care of the money. And that was one of the first decisions I got to make as a senior pastor. When I told my leaders that I was doing it, they were like, you're, you're going to do what? And I said, this is what I feel like the Lord's told me to do. And in the first month doing it that way, the giving for the church went up 138%. And I, I mean, it was just such a testament of the faithfulness of God, of, of trusting him in the area of finances. Now, that is one of, I could give you 100 stories in my own life where God has shown himself faithful in the area of finances. It, it, it actually is my life story. The faithfulness of God in the area of finances is a, is a big part of my life story. I was taught at a very young age. I never had to struggle with tithing because to the best of my knowledge, I've tithed on every single dollar that I've ever made in my entire life because my parents taught me since I was a kid. So this has been my whole life story from my, from my ch- ch- as a child, as a young adult, as an early married. I've never not tithed. I've never not given offerings. And it's, it's a part of my life story. And I've seen God do miracles that would blow your mind in, in my personal life. And now I get to do some things that I only ever dreamed I would ever give. I, I looked at my giving, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just telling you, this is, this is what God will do. This last year, I was able to give away more money than I used to make when I first started in ministry. I gave away more than my salary, significantly more than my salary was when I started in ministry. Not because I'm rich, because I'm blessed. <laughs> and, I, and I'm telling you, this, this stuff works. I, I, I want to read Malachi 3. In case you just don't, you don't know this, I want to share this story with you and just kind of go line by line. I've only got not too many minutes left. Malachi 3, starting in verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? And now you, right off the bat, it's like, well, of course nobody would rob God. Nobody's stupid enough to rob God. Right? You're not answering because you know where this is going, aren't you? Yet you've robbed me. And you say, well, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And for that, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me. Even this whole nation, he's talking to the children of Israel. He says, in this whole nation, you've been cursed. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'm not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing for you that there will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. I just want to kind of go back just for a little bit and pick this thing apart just so you kind of understand some things. When he's, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with what tithe means, tithe means tenth. And he says, bring all the tithe, means all the tenth, a 10% a of all of your increase, 10% of all of your income. That means if it comes into your house, bring in 10%. I did this uh, a couple of years ago, and, I, and I, 
I think the example works, and um, we'll do it again and see if it works as much. We've got 10 apples here. Uh, this, if you'll notice, they're, they're, they're different colors for a reason because <clears throat> the Bible says that if, if, if all if this represents, these 10 apples, if this represents our income, all of our income, then one-tenth of it is something we're supposed to bring to him. One-tenth of it belongs to him. In fact, I, I even used a red apple just so you could see. Red means no. <laughs> red means stop. When you go to take a bite of his 10%, remember this red apple. This is not yours to eat. This is not yours. It says, you've robbed me because my apple, you've been eating my apple. There, this, this, this apple, this red apple, is something we've been dealing with since the beginning of time. In fact, our oldest ancestors, quote unquote, had a red apple called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says he gave them all of the trees except for one. All the trees, now there's a lot to that tree, but at least in part it's this. I'm going to give you all of the trees, but I want you to keep one untouched. I don't want you to eat from one. Why? This one apple addresses a thing in the heart of lordship. It's, we love the fact that Jesus is our Savior. We love the fact that God is our Father. But is he the Lord or the boss in your life? Can he tell you to do something that you don't want to do and it doesn't make any sense and you do it anyway just because he said to? Every time you tithe, you're addressing this issue in your heart. You are Lord, I am not. You are Lord, I am not. But what's amazing about this, this red apple, when you bring it to him or return it to him, if you'll notice, there's a key attached to this apple. Because he says, if you'll do this, this, this 10% acts as a key that unlocks the windows of heaven open your, over your life. Do you understand that the tithe actually opens up an open heaven over every area of your life? What do he say? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there's food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. There's a key to the first 10% of your income. And it's a very simple question. Do you want an open heaven or not? You could even go back further and say, Will you rob God? <laughs> Do you think he's actually the Lord of your life? Do you put him in that position of Lord of your life? Another way to look at it is, is, do you even believe? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Do you even believe that all the apples are his anyway? <laughs> it's like, well, them are my apples. How can somebody else say what to do with my apples? Are they your apples? Are they? If the, if the, if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, if your apples are on his earth, we got an issue. (laughs) 
what happens is, is if we look at those as his apples, we're, we don't say, oh my gosh, you're asking me to give you one of my apples? Instead, we gladly take this and move it over here and say, thank you for my apples. Thank you. Not I deserved it, not I earned it, not I worked hard to get it, not that's why I went to college so I could get a good job that gave me lots of apples. No, thank you. Thank you. When I, when I give my 10%, I'm saying thank you. The earth is Lord is the fullness thereof. I'm glad I get to keep nine. You return to his. You return to him something that was always his. And by doing so, you open the windows of heaven over, over your life. And you unlock blessing that only this apple can unlock. It says, bring all, another thing I want to address is bring all the tithe where? Into the storehouse so that there may be food where? In my house. I, I've wrestled over whether to, how to say this, but there's really only one way to say it. it. All throughout Scripture, it is very clear that God equates the storehouse, his house, to the church. So I've, I've had people ask, they say, can I, can I give part of my tithe to this? I even had this actually really happen. It's not a bad question. It's people just, some people just don't know. Can I give some of my tithe to this friend of mine? She's a widow, and she's going through some, some, tough, some tough times. Uh, can I give her some of my tithe? And the question is very simple. Is she the house of God? Is she the storehouse? And, he, and you, you, you can argue it however you want to argue it. He says, bring the tithe to his, his house so that there's food in his house. In other words, there's something to give out of his house. It, it, it goes on. It says, you've not just robbed me in tithes, but you also robbed me in offerings. Here's what's amazing about this. A lot of people think that when they tithe, they've sown a seed. Let me say this. You don't have a right to sow somebody else's seed. It's not yours to sow. So you can't even expect a harvest on your tithe. You can expect it as a key to unlock an open heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. But there's another principle in the Word in Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 says, Then Noah built an altar of the Lord, took out every clean animal and every, of every clean bird, and then he offered a burnt offering to the uh, on an altar, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I've done. Then here's what he says. While the earth remains, there's a covenant promise that he's making. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, they shall not cease. At that moment, God instituted a principle. He said, seed time and harvest will never cease. So in other words, once I get this somebody else's seed out of my hands, I now have access to, this, this key doesn't just unlock a, a, an open heaven, it also unlocks a spiritual principle of seed time and harvest. Because until I get this one out of my hand, I can't sow any seed. But once I get this out of my hand, I have a whole lot of seed that has a promise. I got a whole lot of seed that says, if you'll sow it, you will reap. If you'll sow it, 
you will reap. We all know this. The farming terms were used a lot throughout the scripture because they understood this, but we understand this as well. If I sow a peach seed, what do I get? Peach tree. You don't sow an apple seed to get a peach tree. What's amazing about, especially your, your income, your money, your finances, is if you don't have as much as you want, get this out of your hands so that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so that there's not a curse. The Bible also says, you know, Keith, it was last week you preached on spiritual warfare, right? Last week Keith preached on spiritual warfare. Another thing we saw in talking through this is it it says, when you tithe, it says he, God, will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Do you understand that when you get this out of your hands, God starts doing spiritual warfare for you? He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, just for you. I'll go fight for you. So we get this out of our hands, and now we have a principle that we also know in Genesis 8. says, okay, if I'm, having, if I'm having problems in the area of money, let me say it another way. If I just want more of it, if I just need more of it to do what God's called me to do, then I actually can take this as seed and put it in the ground, and the Bible has, there's a promise attached to it. As long as the earth remains, this principle will always work. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians nine says but I say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so let each one give as he's purposed in his heart that was a scripture one of the scriptures why we don't take up an offering I don't want you I don't want your giving to be connected to some pool that I'm giving every single Sunday I want the giving to be connected to what you have already purposed in your heart to do I don't want to try to convince you to do any of it. I want the word to. (laughs) Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every, every good work. Something else the Lord said to me, you know, it is... It was, the, it was the mission of Jesus to only do what he saw his father do, to only say what he heard his father say. And as disciples, as Jesus followers, we're supposed to be doing the same thing. I want to do what I see Jesus do. I want to say what I hear Jesus say because Jesus is doing what he sees his father do and he's only seeing, saying what he hears his father say. So there's this, there's this pattern in life that, that that's what discipleship is. We're following his pattern. It is the nature of God. It is the nature of Jesus to give generously. For God so loved the world, Tebow 316. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. When you tithe, did you give anything? Nope, you returned. You returned. Do you understand something? You can't even give like your father until you get this out of your hand and start looking at these other apples. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he gave his life as a sacrifice for many. Generosity is the nature of our father. Generosity is the nature of our savior. Generosity should be the nature of a disciple. Some people, they, you've been, you, have, you have a gifting, you have a, a gift set, you have a skill, 
you, you're very, very wise with money, and so your 10% is, extru- is, is, fine, is numerically much, much, much more and makes a much, much larger impact in the natural things than somebody else's 10%. But can I just say this to you? Don't get confused just because your red apple's bigger than everybody else's red apple. You're not a giver until you get to the green apples. You're not generous until you get to the green. You can say, yeah, but that was a big amount. Yeah, it was still a red apple. Still red. Jesus would watch. It tells us a story where he watched. They were bringing their tithes and offerings to the temple. Another reference to where the tithes and offerings go. And they were bringing their offering, and a woman brought a mite. Two mites, I think it was. And it's, it was the equivalent of two cents. And when Jesus walked, now there were other people coming and giving. And the, the inference was that some people were giving, assuming that their amount was going to impress Jesus. Because their 10% was big. Their, ten, their red apple was bigger than everybody else's red apple. But this woman, when she came and she gave two cents, she wasn't giving the red apple. She was giving all the apples. And Jesus actually said, they're going to tell the story of this woman's offering throughout eternity. Because she didn't just say, I'm going to stop at the bare minimum. My trust in him is not the bare minimum. My love for him is not the bare minimum. My love for him is everything I have. My trust in him is everything I have. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing. My wife and I, for years now, uh, several years ago, the Lord was just doing so much in our life. I, I just, I was blown away and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I don't know if I could ever, out, I, I know I could never outgive you, but it is my heart to give more and more the rest of my life. And I made a vow, a covenant promise with the Lord that for the rest of my life, every year, I would add 1% more to my giving. I have bank accounts actually set apart. One is the tithe, one is the offering. And so every time I, any money comes into my hands, 10% goes to the tithe and another 5% goes into the offering. And it is the joy of my life. It is one of the joys of my life. The other day, Leanne was looking at it and she's like, hey, you got any plans for the, we're always fighting over who gets to use it. Hey, what, you got any plans? I said, no, I said, man, there's a couple. I wanna, I wanna buy them a brand new washer and dryer get after it you've heard me tell stories like this I, I, we've, paid, we've, we've had the, the blessing of getting payoff cars for waitresses my daughters we've been teaching our daughters hey here's you 20 bucks and here's you 20 bucks we're sitting in a restaurant because they watched us do this and I said now I pray and ask the Lord who you're supposed to give this $20 to why? one because he's the Lord of my life and I want them, him to be the Lord of their life but two I'm grateful for my nine apples. I'm thankful these are not my apples. And I'm grateful that he gave them to me to steward and watch over. And because they're not mine, they're really easy to give away. It's really easy to do. I just challenge you today, if you want to see some things change in your life, particularly in the area of finances, you got to get this out of your hands. you got to get this out of your hands. And I know I'm not I'm, I'm not ignorant or naive to think that some of you are, are probably in a position where the thought of this grips you with fear. Your mind is telling you, I can't afford my bills as they are. Why would I add another bill? 
And I would just tell you what he already told you. Try me. Try me. That's not Braden's words. I'm not telling you that. I'm not saying tithe and try me. No, he's saying tithe. Try me. There's another scripture that says Jesus himself receives your tithe in heaven. Because you're not giving to me. You're not even giving to Renew Life Church. You're giving to Jesus. Because it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Amen? We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.